Good morning, everyone. If you're happy to be a child of God, say amen this morning. If you're happy that God loves you, say amen this morning. How do we know this, Brother Morrison? Well, the Bible says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. So many times we live around and walk around the world today that we feel we're out of place. If you don't know God, you're out of place. And I'm going to prove that hopefully in my sermon today as well. It's so great to be extended the invitation to come back and be with you all. I love you all very much. Miss being over here. And as I told the leadership, and I did not just walk away and leave you. I was asked to help out at another congregation that doesn't have the brethren that we have here. And so I'm doing that. But John has told me today that I can go back and forth. And so I appreciate that. And I want you to know something. I go back. I was talking with Kathy this morning. We go back quite a ways. And also Bob Hanson, who's not here today, but we used to work together at Warehouser. And uh, John used to work in this highly technical area. It was top secret. And most people couldn't go in there. But he saw me in there. Where he was like, what are you doing in here? And I was maintenance because I had access to some of those areas like that. But it was so good being able to work with brothers and sisters in Christ. And that made working so much better. I was sharing that this morning. But truly, it's an honor and privilege, and I want to thank the leadership for giving me this invitation to be here with you today. Art had called me, and the first date he called me didn't line up with my schedule because I was asked to preach somewhere else. And he said, I had the dates wrong. And so I'm glad to be here with you today, and God worked it out. Amen. I just want you to continue to uh, be in prayer for me as I labor. Uh, it's wonderful being a child of God and especially a minister of the gospel. When you're asked to be called to preach somewhere and folks are interested in hearing the word of God. Um, we live in a world today where people are trying to deny uh, our God. They're saying to God, there is no God. And hopefully today you'll get some stuff out here today that you can share with people that proves there is a God. It's not just good to just know that there's a God, but they said that we used to be one of the fastest growing churches in America back in the early 70s, I believe. And what they would say that those are those Bible toting, scripture quoting people, the only ones going to heaven people. Well, I don't know about all that, but I think we still should be carrying our Bibles and quoting scriptures. I have an uncle in Georgia. He tells me, don't give me no lip. Just give me some script. (laughs) All right. Hope you all understand what I just said. But truly this morning, before I get into my lesson, I just want to share one thing. God is good. Oh, wait a minute. We can't go today if y'all going to be like that. God is good and all the time. And we don't just say that as some cliche statement. We say that with Bible as well, too. James 1.17 says every good and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That just means in layman's terms that God is good all the time. Amen. All right. Y'all need to be smiling this morning because I preach better if y'all smile. All right. Let's get to the lesson at hand. How many of you? Uh, grew up. Oh, I want to thank Paul for reading the scripture this morning. How many of you grew up and not only had your legal name, but you had some nicknames? Chip, is that your is Chip your real name? You got a real name, right? But they call you Chip. Why they call you Chip? Because. Because okay, you don't have to share. He obviously he don't want to share that with me this morning. <laughs> but truly, some of us had nicknames, right? Growing up, I remember one. Uh, it's not necessarily the nickname, but I remember when my parents were mad at me. I knew why. They would say Darren Keith. When they had the first and the middle name, you knew you were in trouble. Amen. Amen. All right. 
still getting in trouble. That's what your wife says? Okay. Okay. When we look at the very first, first, first verse in Genesis, uh, we see a name for God there, even though you just says God. We see a specific name for him, a Hebrew name. But God has given us some names to use when we refer to him. Today we're going to look at this very first name that's found in the very first verse in the first, first book of the Bible. It's the name Elohim. You ever heard that before? Of course you have. All you scholars in here. In Genesis 1, I want to read Genesis 1 through 5 again and insert Elohim for God, if you wouldn't mind this morning. Let's look at it real quick. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of Elohim was hovering over the face of the waters. Then Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. And Elohim saw the light and that it was good. And Elohim divided the light from the darkness. Elohim called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. If that's in your Bibles, you can say amen. Amen. So the first name for God is used in the Bible more than 2,500 times and over 30 times specifically in the first chapter of Genesis. I knew you all knew that. Uh, Most scholars believe Elohim Elohim derives from the word El, which in the turn comes from the word for strong. Specifically, this means that he is a strong, mighty creator God. When we pray to him, we remember that he is the one who is creatively, powerfully, completely sovereign and gloriously great. That's why we know that when the Bible says with God, all things are possible. Matthew 19, 26, we can believe that because God is everything to us. Amen. All right. See, we're going to do good today. Elohim, I want specifically to tell you that Elohim means that God is a creating God. And I hope a lot of this makes sense. And that's what we have in the English. In the beginning, God created. That is the creator. He is the creator. But what does that mean to us as his people? We all know of this is all of this around us is here because God created it. And what does that mean in detail that God's created? There is nothing here that he did not have a part in or that everything in our world. He was involved in the creation or set up the possibility of there being a creation. And I know a lot of people want to talk about your evolution, the Big Bang and all that. And we're going to discuss that as well today, too. But watch this. God doesn't try to prove himself in Genesis, the first chapter. In this chapter, there's 30 plus times the name of God is listed, but never is there an explanation of who he is or why he is. It just says he came from nowhere. And that's theologically correct and biblical sound, biblically sound. That doesn't make sense. But let me say more about it. God came from nowhere because there wasn't anywhere for him to come from. See that in the second part of of the latter part of verse one, right? Now watch this. Think about that. So coming from nowhere, he stood on nothing because it wasn't anything for him to stand on. Then he stood on nothing, reached out to nowhere, and caught something where there was nothing to catch, and hung it on something that there was nothing to hold on to. And said, there it is, stay there. That don't make sense, does it? But that's how good our God is. Watch this now, watch this now. In Job 26, 7, the Bible says he stretches out the north over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Have you ever thought about that? 
how we have these planets. And on earth, we are existing. How are we held up, suspended up in the air? Wow. I can't explain it, but that's what God, well, that's why God is God. Amen. So standing on nothing, he took the hammer of his own will and struck it on the anvil of his own omnipotence and sparks flew from it. And he caught them, flung them into space and decorated the heavens with stars. And nobody said a word because there wasn't anybody around to say a word. So God said, it's good. I like that. It's very good. Now watch this now. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God, first of all, as Elohim, is the creator. Watch this now, this illustration. How many of y'all remember Ronald Reagan? You remember as, as a, a one-time president? Also, he was in a lot of movies, too. Okay? But Ronald Reagan said he used to like to take atheists out to dinner. I was, I was thinking about that for a minute. I said, why? He said he used to like to take atheists out to dinner, feed them a big, scrumptious meal, and then ask him at the end of eating that meal, you think there was a cook? <laughs> Some of y'all didn't catch that, but that's all right. Because people are around here today, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, too, because we got scripture for that as well, too. People are without excuse today. Because for, remember this, if you don't remember anything else today, remember for everything created, there has to be a creator. That's simplistic, isn't it? For everything created, there has to be a creator. Most of you drove a car here today. You just say, Lord, I want a car, and a car popped up in your driveway? <laughs> of course not. I guarantee you laughing. Somebody had to make that car. Lord have mercy. Y'all ain't a good audience today. We're going to get better, though. It's all good. So God, the creator, Elohim. And we talk about God, we have to talk about creation. Because evolution, I'm not buying it. And this is what gets me. You don't want to believe in Jesus who lived over 2,000 years ago, but you want to pop up on the scene in the 20th century, create a machine, and you can find a rock or a bone and tell me it's a million years old. You know what I'm saying? You can believe that, but you can't believe in Jesus or the Bible. Who in the world told you how to, first of all, how do you calibrate a machine to tell me that something is over a million years old? And if anything... God gave you the ability to create that machine. If it's accurate. All right. I want to tell you from this passage, from Genesis 1 through, through, 1, 1 through 5 and following, that creationism is correct. Watch this now. Because God alone is eternal, that which, that which is created does not. Look at the last part of Genesis 1, 1. The Bible says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now watch this now. The Hebrew word for create means to create something out of nothing. How do you create something out of nothing? Raise your hand if you can create something out of nothing here today. I was told the story one time that there were some scientists and they said uh, they had made all these great accomplishments. And they said, God, we don't need you anymore. One of the, one of the representatives came from the scientists and said, God, we don't need you anymore. God said, okay, well, let's say you, let's say you make something out of, out of this right here. And he had some dirt, right? And the scientist said, oh, that's easy. And then he started, 
And then God said, wait, wait a minute, what you doing? He said, get your own dirt. <laughs> Y'all are tough audience. <laughs> so create means to create something out of nothing. Elohim brings design out of disorder. He created a cosmos out of chaos. He birthed beauty out of barrenness. And he continues to do so the same in our lives today. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you got out of something and you knew that somebody or something helped you get out that situation? And you couldn't figure it out? It's easy to figure out. All you got to do is go to Psalms 124 and verse number one. The Bible says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side. Has God ever been on your side? I told the story before I had cancer in 2015 and members at the church act like they wanted to have my eulogy. It's like when you mention the word cancer, the first thing people are like, oh, you're going to die. And I, and I preached a sermon before I went into cancer surgery. I said, watch me go through this. And I said, I'm not worried about surgery. They, matter of fact, uh, let me tell you, they took my left kidney and the doctor told me, don't worry about it. God gave you two. <laughs> Seriously, he said that. And so. But I told the folks at church that were crying and stuff and booing. I said, don't worry, God's already in the recovery room waiting for me. And this was before the surgery. See, we have to have faith in our God. God is an amazing God. And he has the final say so no matter what doctors say. Yeah, you tell him, you tell your doctor what I said, all right? So let's look at a few other verses from Genesis 1. The Bible says, so God made the expanse. Or firmament in your Bible translation. Verse 7. He also made the stars. Verse 16. So God created the great creatures of the sea. Verse 21. God made all the wild animals. Verse 25. And God saw all that he had made. And it was what? No, it wasn't good. Very good. See? Don't you try to discredit God. He said he saw all that he had made. And it was very good. Verse 31. God doesn't just do great stuff, good stuff. He does ex extraordinary stuff. Amen. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. It is no accident that the first thing God, watch this now. So we can, of course, know, and this is just, this is just going back to the basics. We, of course, know that Genesis is the what? The book of beginnings. So isn't it correct that the first thing God had wanted us to know about him as he is what? The great creator. I like that. So watch this now. The whole revelation of scripture is rooted in this fact from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Let's just look at a few verses I'm going to show you. And I'm going to talk slow, so uh, I know some people say I talk fast at times, but I'm going to slow down. I'm going to give you these scriptures. We're not going to go to read them all, but if you have your notes, please write down notes because I want you to be like the Bereans and search the scriptures daily to see whether those things are so. So in Psalms 95, 6, the Bible says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Okay. We talked about that a little bit in our uh, Sunday school class this morning uh, about what that means to bow down and kneel before the Lord. Psalms 121 and verse number two. I like this one. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number one. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And some of y'all won't like this one. Isaiah 45, 9. 
Woe to him who quarrels with his maker. I'm sure. What's that? Isaiah 45, 9. You're welcome. I'm sure none of us has ever asked God, why is this happening to me? Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by hands or built by hands. And then one of my favorites. Matter of fact, we're going to go to this one. Let's go to Revelation 4, verse 11. I love this verse. Because why do I get so excited talking about God? I think this verse sums it all up. Revelation 4.11, yes. Look at this real quick. The Bible says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For what? You created some things. All things, thank you. And by your will, they exist and were created. How can you discount God? The Bible says in Acts 17, 8, 17, 20, excuse me, Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our very being. He would not be here if it was not for God. The early church viewed the doctrine of creation as the beginning of a point of theology and a bedrock biblical belief. Its importance is summed up at the very beginning of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Former atheist Lee Strobel quoted in his outstanding book called The Case for the Creator. If you ever have time, read that book. Lee Strobel, The Case for the Creator concludes that when he researched the central pillars of evolutionary theory, they quickly rotted away when exposed to scrutiny. In recent developments in our scientific world today, scholars are discovering what the Bible has always said. The universe was made by an intelligent designer. Amen, somebody. Evolution is just a theory, and many of those who have argued for it are now declaring that it doesn't hold up to scientific scrutiny. Hmm. Ain't that something? People are finding uh, geologists and all these different scientists. They're finding things in the Bible. Like the, remember in Daniel, the writing on the wall? They found that and want to say that maybe the Bible is right. I believed it before you found it. Psalms 19.1 says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. His fingerprints are everywhere. I like that. The earth is marked, if you will, by a sign that declares in bold letters, made by God. See those trees, made by God. See the mountains, made by God. The big, vast oceans, made by God. His stamp of approval is on, and it's very good. I like that. Oh, here we go. I love this one. Romans 121 states that the evidence for Elohim's creative power is clearly evident. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Amen, somebody. Being understood from what has been made so that men are what? Without excuse. You ain't got no excuse to believe there's a God. It's all around you. 
What they say, the proof is in the pudding. And watch this now. If you're one to look, you will see that there is a God. And because he is a creator, he is greater than that which is he has created. That means you can trust him because there is nothing in your life that is greater than he is. He can solve any problem that you bring to him. But if you will trust him by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith is impossible to believe or please him. That he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then if you think about your worst problem right now and how you would fix it, he's able to do better than that. The Bible says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly. That don't even make sense. He uses two emphatically words together and makes it that much clearer how great he is. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So wherever you think you need, he can do better than that. He's able to fix any situation in your life. You don't believe it, just try it. You guys will buy those, you guys will look at those infomercials all night. I've seen this thing the other day. Let me tell you, I'm sorry, let's take a TV timeout. I saw this thing the other day. They tell me that they got this little ball roller with these little nubs on it. They only get one like $30 for it, but if you rub your feet on your back and your feet gonna feel better. I can make one of those myself. I'm gonna pay you $30 for. Then talk about you got a money back guarantee. So I'm gonna send you $30 to see if this works when I can just go to the pet store and get one of them little balls that your dog chew on and probably do the same effect. I'm sorry, y'all, I had to vent that. If you're willing to look, you will see that God is truly the creator. And then also, because he is the Elohim, let's look at Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Because he is the Elohim, the Trinity is true. Some people will say they believe in God, but some people will say they don't believe in Jesus, right? Now watch this now, watch this now. Let's, let's go there real quick. Look at verse 26 and 27. This, this is why I always love to discuss this chapter, uh, this ver- these verses with people. Then God said, watch this now, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Is that in your Bible? Okay. Now watch this now. I got some. I got something for y'all to use. So the I am ending in Elohim is a plural suffix. Watch this now. This is similar to a cherub becoming a cherubim, and the plural of seraph becoming a seraphim. All right. Now here's the cool part. Although the name Elohim is plural. It is often treated as a singular noun. Let's look at Genesis uh, 1, 26 to 27 again. Watch this now. Then God, Elohim, plural, said singular, let us, plural, make man in our plural image, in our plural likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, Elohim, plural, created man in his singular own image. In the image of God, Elohim, plural, he singular created him. Male and fingal, uh, female, excuse me, he singular created them. That makes sense to you? No. It didn't? What didn't make sense to you? 
So what I'm trying to express to you today, there is a God. The f- you can't figure it out? Don't try to figure it out. With God, all things are possible. And we just have to believe in God. But what I'm trying to express to you today, that because God is the creator, when he said, let us make man, who's he talking to? Was it you? Were you there when God created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when God created the heavens and the earth? So who was there? The Son and the Holy Spirit. That makes sense to you? Yes, sir. All right. God bless you. Now, I wasn't trying to be funny, but I want everybody to understand this because it's important. Because not only am I sharing this with you, I want you to share it with somebody else. <sighs> Let's look at this now. So, while this verse alone does not fully develop the doctrine of Trinity, here we see that God is one and yet somehow is plural. Okay? God, who is eternal in nature, has always existed in three persons. All right, all right. And I couldn't get into something else, too, but I'm not going to do that right now. Because we're a three-person person as well, too. Okay, some of y'all know that already. Okay. This concept is found throughout Scripture at the baptism of Jesus. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 16 through 70. When, 16 through 70. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to the church, he called on all three members of the Trinity in Matthew 28, 19. Amen. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right. And then one of the clearest passages is found in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The Bible says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God, the Father, sent the Son To save us from our sins. And now the Holy Spirit has sealed our salvation. The Trinity makes redemption possible. Wow. And then the Holy Spirit, that seal, that's our promise, our guarantee. When you go to buy a house, do they just let you buy the house? Oh, you can go ahead. We'll get asked for the money later. No, they want some money down. They want to guarantee that you go, you go be faithful and take, make your payments and everything. Or give them some kind of commitment, Chip. You know somebody just want to give me a house, let me know. I'll show move in. And when they ask for the money, well, you didn't say them about no money. Lord have mercy. All right. I promise you we're going to talk about this. So this Big Bang Theory. This Big Bang Theory. Y'all ever heard of that? Somehow, there was this big explosion, and everything just came into existence. Now, yeah, where did it come from? Okay. So watch this now. I, I, and believe me, don't y'all tell nobody else, please, just keep this here. What happens at Orchard Street stays at Orchard Street. I know, huh? When I was a child, uh, I was mischievous. Just a fix-up name for bad. And you see that? No. <laughs> but I ain't gonna lie. I was, I was, you call one of the first pyrotechnics. I used to love to blow stuff up, Kathy. And I tore up so much stuff. My parents, oh man. I, I, I'm so glad I made it through those years. I got more spankings than you could probably count on the Texas Instruments calculator. I'm serious. My dad, he, he was like, boy, I don't know what to do with you. If you, he told me my junior I stopped getting spankings my junior year of high school. He said, son, if you, why? He said, why? 
He said, boy, if you ain't got it by now, you ain't going to never get it. And then I'll never forget this one expression. Don't you ever say this to your children. He said, boy, the more I teach you, the dumber I get. But anyway, go back to blowing up stuff. So every time I blew up something, uh, Craig, I never saw nothing come good out of it. I remember one time my mom had these beautiful roses in the, the front of the house. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to mess the flowers up. I just wanted to see what this thing was going to do, right? So I had what was called an M80, which was not a regular firecracker. <laughs> and you could put water on it and it had that phosphorus wick. It was still going to keep going. So I, I, threw the, I threw this M80 into the flower bed, my mom's beautiful roses. They weren't beautiful much longer. Matter of fact, they went so far up in the air, roots and all. And then I just heard, Derek Key? And I was like, oh Lord, I'm in trouble. And then the only good thing that came out of this, when my dad went to spank me, my mom intervened and said, James, stop, you're going to kill him. <laughs> True story. Oh, man. Oh. All right. So let's get back to the Big Bang Theory. I'm sorry, but I had to share that with you. The Big Bang Theory is like saying the dictionary came about because there was an explosion at a print factory. It doesn't, doesn't make sense, folks, does it? And I realize that much of the creation story I don't fully understand. How can God be, from, be there from the beginning? How can he be the creating God? But he is my friend this morning. I hate to have the problems others have who don't start with God. The God of the Bible, Elohim, the great creator. Creator Elohim means that God is a creating God. It also secondarily and quickly secondarily means that God is a controlling God. What do you mean by that, Brother Morrison, that God is a controlling God? Well, watch this now. In Psalms 147 and verse number four, the Bible says he counts the number of the stars and he gives names to every one of them. How many of you have ever tried to count the stars in the sky? I want you to try. And if you can be successful, I got $100 for you. $100. Look at She said, that ain't enough. <laughs> but I know somebody going to try to count them. But then you have to verify, you have to be able to verify to me that that's the correct number. And you can't do that unless you ask God. Okay, JJ. <laughs> oh, man. He's going to have to write on a stone tablet that he gave you the correct number. Okay. <laughs> so, do you ever stop and think that God... Controlling even the stars is important. That script, the scripture says that even a sparrow falls that is important. Amen. I don't understand how God can keep track of every sparrow. I don't understand, but that is such that God is in control. Elohim means that God is a controlling and creating God. Then also, I like this one, y'all. Elohim means that God is a choosing God. I remember back in the days uh, when they used to have recess in school and we used to play kickball and then they would designate two captains. And, you know, of course, we all want to be the first one to get picked. But isn't it amazing that God picked you? You thought you picked God. I see some of y'all looking at me crazy. You didn't pick God. God picked you. And I'm going to show you real quick with Bible. 
Do you ever think about that? That God makes choices and he has chosen eternity that you and I who are Christians are one of those choices. Go with me to Ephesians chapter one, verse number four. Ephesians chapter four and ver- uh, Ephesians chapter one, excuse me, and verse number four. The Bible says, just as he chose us in him before what? The foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. How many of you remember when you were baptized? Remember your your birthday, your baptism birthday? Okay, good, good. I think I can get you to the year. I know the year, but I can't tell you the exact date, but it's it's been only a few years ago. I ain't going to tell my age, Craig. I see you looking at me. Now watch this now. So back in, it would have been 76, I got baptized. But you know what God knew about that salvation? It didn't come to him, it didn't come to God as no surprise that I was going to get baptized that day in 1976. He knew already. Amen, somebody. All right. Now watch this now. He knew about it from eternity. It wasn't a surprise that I got saved. And friends, if you've been saved, it didn't surprise God. If you get saved today, it might surprise some of your family and friends, but it won't surprise God because he knew about it all the time. He is a choosing God. And then watch this now. Elohim also means that God is a covenant-making God. That's so important to us, y'all. He's a covenant-making God. The word Elohim brings out the idea that God is interested and willing to enter a covenant with his people. He says that I am God and you will be my people. And here's what I will do for you. And here are the conditions of this covenant. We have an Old Testament covenant. Amen. And we have a New Testament, which is a new covenant. What's the significant difference between those two covenants? The blood of Jesus Christ. He is a covenant making God. But there's also a relationship of this word Elohim. And I would like to point out to you two factors of it for man. What does it mean that God is Elohim, that God is the creator, the controlling, the choosing, the covenant making God? What does that mean to me, really? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It means that God has value for man. I know sometimes you see other people and we can be honest with ourselves. We see I'm going to tell you this is right off my top of my head. I was looking at the other day, some, uh, um, it just comes up. Sometimes you go to YouTube and they'll, you know, you be looking for something and it, other stuff pops up when you're looking for stuff. So I saw this the other day and was talking about these riches, uh, the richest people in their, their summer homes. Jay-Z and Beyonce, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, uh, but they're both in the music industry. They have a $10 million vacation home, a home that they don't live in every day. They just go to when they want to get away from, from it all. $10 million vacation home. That's too much money not to share with me. <laughs> I think together they're worth over a billion dollars. I can't even count that high, but that's a lot of money. And for you to give me a couple of million, you wouldn't even miss it. That'd be like me paying a parking ticket. You know what I'm saying? Y'all agree, huh? <laughs> if I had that kind of money, Chip, I would hook you up, bro. Chips that get it. <laughs> oh. But watch this now. God has value for man. Matthew 12, 12 says, Of how much more value than is man than a sheep? 
So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. We are so valuable. Why do you think we're valuable? We are so valuable that God sent his son to die on the cross. We all know the passage, John 3, 16. But that's not my favorite part of it. 17 is my favorite part. 16 says, of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But verse 17 says, but God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Even if you reject God, he still wants you to be saved. Well, how do you know that, Brother Morris? It's 2 Peter 3, 9. Y'all know what that says? Give it to you. All right. God is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But watch this now. But the Bible says that he is long-suffering towards us. That word long-suffering is important. That means he puts up with us. Long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. God wants everybody to be saved. Have you ever went to a hotel and said, no vacancy? I'm sure you have at some time point, or you want to stay somewhere, and then the dates that they were available didn't line up with your vacation dates, and you had to go somewhere else. But there's always room in heaven. I like that, y'all. God has room. All you have to do is be willing to believe in his son and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior and his blood on the cross. And you know what? This is the most important. Some people think that they've done stuff so bad that God will not accept them. God will accept anybody. There's, there's nothing you have done that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Think about that. For, that's profound. No matter what you can think. But brother more, Jesus' blood covered it. Ain't nothing you can think of. Jesus' blood covers it. Think about how much. And that should have been us. And, and did anybody ever see The Passion of the Christ? Anybody ever watch that movie? I saw people when I went to see that movie. People that couldn't even watch when he was getting whipped with them. Oh, they couldn't even watch it. And the, no, I mean the crowd that wanted him to get whipped. They couldn't even watch it because he was getting beaten so brutally. I said, I was like, wow, no, you watched that. You wanted that. You watched it. And he did that for us. Yes, of course, Pat. By his stripes, we are healed. He did that for us. He didn't even know you, but he did it for you. That's amazing. That's love, y'all. And he still loves each and every one of us today, no matter what you do. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's all possible because of the blood of Jesus. Are you happy to know God this morning? Don't you wish everybody did? I'm so grateful. Then, last thing I want to share with you. Elohim means that God has a vision for man. I love this one, y'all. So many times I wonder, God, what are you trying to tell me? I, I mean, I'm trying to do what you want me to do. What, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How, how do I know? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you. And watch this now. Plans. How, have you, how many of you have ever made a plan to go somewhere or do something? Of course you have. But God has plans for you. Even when you mess up, he's still got plans for you. He says, plan, for I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. God is always looking out for our best. Sin. See, we mess up amongst one another. Somebody might say, well, I'm through. I'm through with, I'm through with her. I'm through with him. They didn't mess up too many times. God never says that. He doesn't look at your past. He looks at your future. 
Look at all those great people. We talked about who we talked about this morning in Bible class. Who's the main person we were talking about? Paul, right? Hey, what we know about Paul? He was once what? Saul of Tarsus. Amen, Peter? He was a bad boy. He taught, was taught at the feet of Gamal. Thought he knew everything. But he had been given the wrong information. We have people in our world today that are sincere about what they believe. But I want to tell you something. You can also be sincerely wrong. You can only know what you've been taught. That's why it's always important to have an open mind when people share the word of God. If, they, if you can show me book, chapter, and verse about something that I may disagree about, then I have to believe it. Because the Bible says, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth, right? The Bible is always true, y'all. Elohim means that I have value and God has a vision and purpose for my life. I'm not just some person in the midst of a great big world who has no significance. I have value and God has vision for me in that value. Ain't that amazing this morning? I'm so glad. And there's so many other names of God that I could have talked about. Uh, There's Jehovah Jireh, God the provider. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, God the healer. Uh, Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. And if, if you have time, look those up. But today, if you're here, you need to believe that there is a God. And you do that by faith. I already talked about it. Uh, we just have to have faith in God. Believe that he is and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Well, Brother Morrison, how did I get this faith? Well, you did that by being here today. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith then comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. You need to confess your sins. The Bible says if you confess your sins, uh, you shall all likewise, except you confess, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3. And then you need to believe that Jesus is the son of God. We need to confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I shall confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. That's the best attorney you can have on your behalf is Jesus Christ. He's better than the top name lawyers that we have today. Matthew 10, 32. And then this is the one that I really want to show you. Some people believe that baptism is not essential. Why do we have so many accounts of not only baptism, but also that people got baptized straightway or right away and went down in the water, came up out of the water? Amen. Acts 2.38, of course, with no repentance, be baptized everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the mission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You do not receive the gift of the Holy Spirit without baptism. But that's not even good enough. Galatians 3.27 is your verse. When people say to baptize, for as many of you are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. How'd you get Christ? I was baptized into Christ. Amen, somebody. If you're here today, we serve a creative God, God who created everything, and there would nothing be in existence without him. Just want to thank you for uh, so much for being here today. If you have anything on your heart at this time that you want to share, you can do so. So together, stand and sing the song that's been selected.